This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. My name is Stephanie Muscat. I am a registered social worker and psychotherapist. Please note that this episode is not the act of psychotherapy. Today, I'm going to be doing part two of sharing my story. And as I said in part one, which was last month, the first episode of last month, I'm going to be taking you through my journey with my mom who was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia and my grandmother who had Alzheimer's at the end of her life. And if you missed the first episode, I talked about when we started realizing there was something going on with my mom. So that is the first episode of July 2022. So go and take a listen to that if you haven't already, because today is going to be a continuation of that. So last time I talked about what we had noticed in my mom and the difficulties with my dad and coming to a place of acceptance and understanding in terms of my mom's illness. And today I wanted to talk about the journey to my mom's diagnosis. This was such a long process, and I hear this all the time. This is just ongoing, and it's taking forever, and why am I not getting a diagnosis, and why can't they give me an answer? And this is just so common, especially when it comes to the less common degenerative diagnoses, such as frontotemporal dementia. It can take a really long time to diagnose. I will say that I am quite impressed at the clinic's ability to rule out different things because I oftentimes see diagnoses occurring for other things, such as mental health issues, too soon. And they don't do a thorough enough process sometimes of making sure it's not anything else. So when my mom first presented to her family doctor. I went with her and I said, listen, I have a lot of concerns about her memory. I have a lot of concerns about how she's presenting. She's very different. And they referred my mom to a neurologist and that happened pretty quickly. And then my mom went to go see this neurologist. And I remember before the appointment, my mom knew she was going to see the neurologist and she wrote like three pages full of questions that she had. But when you read these pages, none of it made sense. It was like on and on and on of word jumble. Nothing was cohesive. Everything was fragmented. For example, she would say, you know, car accident, concussion, and then it would just turn into a separate sentence about, I don't know, the weather. Like it just, nothing made sense. And there were questions on there that you would never ask a neurologist, which typically she would have known, but that was kind of a clue into what was going on. So 
she brought this paper with her and he took a look at the paper and said, oh yeah, okay, something's going on here. And he also had asked us about my mom's driving. Now this was another big issue was her driving. And my father and I had gotten concerned because she was starting to swerve when she was driving and she had actually been stopped by someone asking her if she was drunk and to get off the road. And that, you know, was a result of her brain. She wasn't drunk, but she was swerving and she was like not able to stay in the lines. It was very, very dangerous. And we told the doctor and of course the doctor applied to have her license revoked. Now, my mom was a very independent person and driving was her thing. And she was a stay-at-home mom. And so her whole life, you know, she'd do her own things on her on her own days. And when she received the letter from the ministry saying that her license was going to be taken away, she was livid, livid. And she couldn't understand who had done this. And when she found out it was the neurologist, she got really angry and which is common with frontotemporal dementia, she had an ability to protest things and she had an ability to carry through with tasks here and there. And she was able to call the college of uh, physicians and try and have the neurologist penalized and there was an inquiry into him. Anyway, long story short, very, very difficult. And even though he was a neurologist and he knew that there was something wrong with my mom, he refused to see her anymore after she did that. And that was not my fault. That was not my dad's fault. And it wasn't my mom's fault. She wasn't well, but he just said, nope, I'm not seeing her anymore. I refuse. She's making my life difficult and I don't want to deal with this anymore. So I remember feeling so helpless at that time and feeling so back to square one because he was still trying to help us figure out her diagnosis. He had referred us to a clinic at a specialized geriatric hospital. And most of what they did was dementia and memory, but after he refused to see us anymore, I had no contact into who do I speak to about the referral and what's taking so long and what do we do in the meantime? Because that referral process, I think they told me it took three years to see this specialized neurologist in dementia. I had nobody to talk to and I was so lost and you know, I couldn't ask the family doctor because they weren't the ones who had referred her. And so I think at this point I was in my early twenties and I was at school and I started calling this clinic on repeat. I would call them all the time. Their assistant there is lovely, so lovely. And she, I think she felt a little bit bad for me as did many people at this time, because I was so young, I was in school, I was confused, I was upset, and I was the one that was in charge of, of my mom. And they didn't see that happening at all, really. And so she felt horrible for me. And she was so nice. And she would call me if I would leave a message just saying what's happening. And she would say, you know what, Stephanie, we're going to try to 
to speed this up. We're going to try to do this for you. It's usually several years wait, but I know this is so hard for you. She was so fantastic. I will never forget her. And she was just on top of it. And they got my mom in much faster. I think they got her in maybe in six months instead of three years, which was just so nice. And my mom started going through all of this testing. I know they had to rule out mental health issues. I know that they did a lot of testing, a lot of blood work to look at her thyroid to make sure that wasn't causing her issues. And once she went through all of these tests, they determined that no, she had a dementia. Now, The first appointment she ever had with a specialized neurologist, and this guy is like gold. You get, you get this guy and everyone wants this guy and you finally get to him. You want to make sure that you're on your game with him. He's a pretty old school doctor, but he definitely knows what he's talking about. And he has all the knowledge, but he just you know, the bedside manner isn't really there. So I was at school and my dad went with my mom. And because my dad was in denial at the time, they had their appointment with him and my dad denied everything. He said, there's nothing wrong with my wife. I don't know why my daughter sent us here. I don't know why we're here. She doesn't have dementia. Everything's fine. He didn't mention anything of what had happened recently at that time, nothing. He just said, everything's okay. So they sent my dad home. And I remember my dad called me after the appointment and and he said, yeah, they think everything's fine. Nothing's wrong with her. And I said, what do you mean? Nothing is wrong with her. He said, well, nothing, nothing's going on. And I said, did you tell them about this time and this time? And they said, no. And I was so upset, so upset. And I think also my dad was worried about saying anything in front of my mom because she had gotten so mad about her license and she had taken it out on him and he had partially blamed me for it. He's not like this anymore. I have to point out it's just, he was in a bad place and he kind of used me as the scapegoat to be honest. So I think he didn't want to say in front of my mom that he thought something was wrong. He didn't want her to get upset with him. And he also was in denial himself and didn't want to believe anything was wrong. So I ended up calling that assistant back and she said, well, your dad said that nothing was wrong. So we sent them home. I mean, she wasn't able to answer all the questions. She did very well on some of the cognitive testing, but it was the outburst that we were concerned about. It wasn't her memory at the time, as much as it was her problem solving, reasoning and outbursts. And I said, listen, my dad is in extreme denial. And if you're going to go back, you know, if someone's going to come back with her, it's going to be me. I'm going to have to come in a couple hours from school. I'm going to make sure that I can be at the next appointment because I am able to say the honest truth. And my dad would not, or was not able to at the time. So she said, Oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, I will try to talk to the doctor and get you back in, but the doctor's frustrated because he feels like it was a waste of his time. And I said, listen, you have to explain to him that my dad's in denial. He can't be the first person that's ever been in denial. And so she did speak to the doctor. He did give us another appointment. And this time I came in from university and I went with them. 
And I told the doctor what was going on, which was a very different story than my father had painted. And after that, they said, yes, she definitely has a dementia. And I think they still wanted her to come back for more cognitive testing before they could make a decision. And over the months, they could see the facets of frontotemporal dementia. And they looked at the MRI and she had so many MRIs. And she had a lot going on in her brain as well, which they think was from her having meningitis when she was around four years old. And they didn't know at the time what meningitis could do, but she had calcium in her brain. She had a benign cyst in her brain. She has an encephalocele, which is a bone that goes from her brain to her nose is there's no, there's nothing there. So it's pretty much like an open hole which they don't know if that happened before or after the meningitis, but if it was a birth defect, then that would make sense because that would mean that bacteria had a very easy way of getting up in her brain. So they called me. I remember they called me one day and they said, Stephanie, things are really not looking good with, with her MRI right now. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, you know, she has all these things and she's really, really at risk for all of these bacterial infections in her brain. But later on, we found out that she had always had that, which is crazy. So finally, after looking at many MRIs, they diagnosed her with frontotemporal dementia. But the neurologist did say, I can't guarantee you that this is, you know, what it is for sure. We're going to have to follow her because dementias are very complicated, but hers was not presenting as a typical dementia. She was very you know, very verbally and physically aggressive, but her memory was mostly intact, but her problem solving was kind of off, but not fully off. And they didn't know if it was because of all the other things going on in her brain. It was really hard for them to see what was happening, but they did see a degeneration in her brain. And so what they had explained to us is because she had the meningitis, her brain was already really impacted at that time and her central nervous system. And then she had all these other things going on with the cyst and the calcium and the encephalocele. And then on top of that, she might've had an increased pressure, which we learned later, she probably had hydrocephalus as well. And so all of that together, it was hard for them to tease out what was what And then over time, as she started to lose her memory and her ability to identify and talk, et cetera, they did say she probably also had the beginning of Alzheimer's, but her concurrent MRIs after that have not shown any changes in her brain, which is very interesting. All of her MRIs have been the same in the last 13 years. Nothing has changed, which is very strange almost because you'd expect to see a degeneration in her brain, but everything's the same, but her behavior is different. Her memory is different. She acts very different. She's more or less bed bound at this point, but she's had MRIs and she started having seizures after that. She's been on all this different medication to manage her behavior, to manage her functioning, they put her on Aricept to see if that would help her memory. It didn't, but that was the journey of diagnosis. And it was an ongoing thing. And as I said, things popped up 
ongoing and it's, it is an ongoing journey because as I said, she started having seizures and she was hospitalized and they were trying out different medications. She had to start seeing a seizure physician and all of these things. So it was a long journey and diagnosis is a very long journey. It can take a very long time and it can be very, very difficult. So I get it. And I've been there and I hear this from almost all of my clients saying this was just so impossible to diagnose. But not only that, once the diagnosis was given, not really much information was provided other than, okay, your loved one has frontotemporal dementia. See you later. There wasn't a lot of, you know, here's some resources or here's what you can do with it, or here's what to expect. We had to Google that ourselves. I had to send my dad links to articles. He didn't believe my mom had dementia for the longest time. He thought it was ridiculous. I would send him articles and he would say, well, maybe. And then he would turn around and say no until she got progressively worse. And until he realized, yes, okay. You know, there's no hiding from this anymore. This is obviously what's going on, but It was a long, it was a long time and the healthcare system wasn't really able to provide me with resources or supports for my dad or for myself. There was no, let's sit with you and talk to you for an extended period of time in a family meeting to make sure that you understand things. None of that happened. We would also wait over two hours for our appointments. And then the appointments would be very rushed, 10 minute appointments it was frustrating. It's frustrating. Our healthcare system is frustrating and you know, it's, it's an ongoing thing. So that was the diagnosis piece. I do talk a lot about my dad and his acceptance. And I think in the next episode, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, he is a pretty private person, so I'm gonna maybe omit some of it. But I, again, have to say he's changed so much and he is a completely different person now, but at the time it was really hard and I don't blame him. I think it's hard for a lot of spouses, a lot of family members. It's a huge shift and it it took a really long time for him to come to terms with it. So That's what we'll talk about in the next episode. I'll match that with something else so that we're not only talking about my dad because I don't think he would appreciate that. But I will, you know, and I'm obviously going to get his permission to do this. I'm sure he'll, he'll be okay with it. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's kind of the poster child for what, what happens with spouses, children, siblings, when it comes to a diagnosis and people just are not there. They're not able to accept it. They're not able to say, what do you mean? You know, my 60 year old spouse has dementia. That's crazy. How can that even be possible? Because my mom was so paramount in everything. She did all the bills. She organized everything for the house. She made all of his plans. She organized all of his dinner. Everything for me was, was her. He worked. That was what he did. He went to work and he came home and she did everything else. So I don't think he was in a place to accept it, but yeah, that's, that's a story for another day. So if you can relate to me, let me know if you have questions about this, let me know. Or if you just want to vent, we have our private Facebook group, come join us. 
come tell us what's going on in your life. This whole thing is so frustrating. And again, I get it. So that's it for today. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Caregiver's Compass. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.